Welcome to the Elevate Orthodontics Podcast with Dr. Lance Miller. Each week, we bring you interviews with the top minds in the orthodontic profession in order to heighten your expertise, boost your motivation, and raise your skills. Join us as we help doctors take their practices and their lives to the next level. And now, here's your host, Dr. Lance Miller. Welcome to the Elevate Orthodontics Podcast. I'm Dr. Lance Miller. As always, I'm thrilled that you're here with us this week. I've got a great interview lined up with Dr. Dan Bills. I learned a ton from this interview, and I think you will as well. I really hope you're getting a lot out of these episodes. I feel like I'm learning a ton every week, and it's fun for me to think that you guys out there, whether you're in the car or at the gym or wherever you're listening to this uh, around the country and around the world, I hope it's helping you in some way. I hope that you're learning things. I hope that you're getting some motivation and some energy to go out there and make your practices better, to treat your patients to a higher standard, and to feel a sense of community. We're lucky to be part of this great profession. I certainly feel that way, and it's exciting for me to connect with you through this podcast. I'm short on time this week, so we're going to keep the introduction short. We're going to jump right into this interview with Dr. Dan Bills. You're going to learn a lot about technology, a lot about how to implement things in your practice. Dan really has a good sense, I think, of what things you can use in your practice to help you and how to really make technology work for you. So without further ado, we'll jump right in. Let's do it. Dr. Dan Bills attended Lafayette College and obtained his dental degree from Harvard University, after which he completed an orthodontic residency at the University of Illinois. He's a diplomat of the American Board of Orthodontics and a fellow of the American College of Dentists. Dr. Bills has held several local and national positions in the American Dental Association, and he is a past president of the Southern Dental Society of New Jersey. He's a clinical associate at the University of Pennsylvania Department of Orthodontics and is on staff at the Department of Dentistry at Virtua Hospital. He lectures regularly at orthodontic meetings, both stateside and abroad, and gives in-office courses about a variety of clinical topics, as well as how to better utilize technology in orthodontics. He's the owner of Innovative Orthodontics, which he started in 2007. Innovative Orthodontics has two locations in southern New Jersey. Dr. Bills is an avid, and he says here, barely competent, but I can relate to that, golfer. And he's an amateur barbecue aficionado and a husband and father to his wife and daughter. Dan, welcome to the Elevate Orthodontics podcast. Lance, thank you so much. This is uh, this is truly an honor. It's great to be on. Uh, you got to tell me a little bit more about your uh, your barbecue hobby here. How'd you get into that? <laughs> um, like a lot of people, just as a, uh, a weekend warrior doing some stuff uh, in the backyard, and then hooked up with a couple buddies in the neighborhood that also had a similar interest, and we started about two years ago doing a somewhat local but pretty competitive. Um, tournament circuit so and, and, what, do you, and what do you barbecue you know i'm from north carolina where barbecue has a very specific definition you know i actually, yes, uh, I, yeah I, I just came from my brother's wedding last month where of course we had barbecue and coleslaw and all that sort of stuff but but even then there was a little bit of discussion because they they used you know shoulders and not the whole hog so that you know is to the diehards isn't even true barbecue True. Yeah. So most of the competitions that we're in are KCBS competitions. So it's uh, all four meats. So you do uh, do a brisket, you do um, you do pulled pork, you do chicken, and then you do ribs as well. Wow. And this is judged yes. by uh, like a panel. Oh yeah, and they have lots of training. And uh, one of my buddies on my team actually became a judge to figure out in the beginning why we weren't why we weren't doing so well. And then uh, 
the last competition we were in, I think we placed fourth out of 64 teams. So wow. well, we're getting, we're getting better. That's pretty impressive. I can do some pulled pork. I can do some ribs. I've given up on brisket. I, that, that to me is like the hardest one. I just go, Believe there's a guy here, not, there's a guy here in town who's awesome. So yeah, once you, once you get good at it, that can actually be one of the easiest ones to do. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. That, I haven't cracked the code on that one. So <laughs> good. Well, tell our listeners a little bit about your journey from residency to where you are today with uh, two practices. Absolutely. So I, uh, as you said, I, I finished my residency in 2004 at the University of Illinois, uh, moved back out east. The East Coast called me back and uh, started out associating um, in one larger corporate style practice for about two years and then realized that uh, it was time to venture out on my own. So I opened my first location of Innovative Orthodontics in February of 2007. Um, at which time I also started associating in a, in another practice a little farther away, um, just so there wasn't any, you know, any, uh, competition going on there and was there probably for, so that puts me early 2007. And then everybody knows what happened in, in, uh, in mid to late 2008, which, you know, certainly was kind of a sink or swim time for, for a startup ortho practice, but I, I really look at it like the skills that I was able to to hone in on during that time in a, in a really really bad economy with almost no patience um, has really made us as strong as we are today with with some of our marketing and kind of understanding what it takes to to survive in, in interesting times. Um, and then I guess because I'm a glutton for punishment, in June of last year, so we're actually approaching our one year anniversary. Uh, we opened a, a second location. About 20 miles away, um, so you know, still fairly close, but uh, far enough away where we took some of our patients who were kind of in those area in between the two locations and moved them over. But so it wasn't a true startup in that sense because we still had we had some patients. But um, it's been great and it's been uh, you know really neat to to do it all over again and maybe correct some of the things that we did we did wrong the first time. Sure. And did I hear you mention that you have an associate as well now working with you? Um, I do. So that was part of uh, my wife allowing me to open a second location was um, <laughs> almost demanding that I bring in another doctor to, to, to help us out because, you know, just time away from, from her and, and time away from, from my daughter. Uh, so I brought in an associate in July of last year. So we're approaching almost the one year mark of, of her being with us, which has been awesome. Cool. Cool. Good. Well, I know we're going to talk today a lot about technology and orthodontics and I guess we'll start with this. I'm I'm wondering what you would tell an orthodontist who is thinking of of starting a practice. You know, she's graduated, she's got all these student loans and all the product manufacturers are saying, you know, this is a must have for your practice. And and the other thing I always feel like is as a young orthodontist, pretty much the only thing you have going in your favor is that at least you're up to date on latest technology and techniques. But how how do you put that all in perspective when you're when you're just starting out and you're trying to evaluate all these options? Yeah, it's, it's extremely difficult. And I, uh, I teach at the University of Pennsylvania, and I have these discussions with my residents all the time, especially those that are starting up practices where we all want the latest and greatest and the newest, you know, I hate using the word toy, um, but the, the newest innovation that's out there. Um, I think it's a matter of really looking at what is going to benefit the patient and what is going to help you grow your practice. For example, you know, something like a, a CBCT, some people think is, is essential. Um, in our office, we've got some great referring 
um, oral surgeons that we work with and periodontists that we work with that have their own comb beam. And in my, my new location, we were able to open up next to an oral surgeon where we share uh, an x-ray suite. So we didn't have to purchase that technology. But something like an intraoral scanner, if it's an essential part of your workflow, I guess my advice would be to, to bite the bullet and, and you know, focus on, on making that a part of your practice right from the start. Sure, sure. When you talk about enhancing patient experience, you know, does that have an ROI, having an increased patient experience? Oh, absolutely. One of the things, it's a great question. So let's look at something like intraoral scanning, right? And we look at it as orthodontists, and we think about things like digital workflow and maybe reducing an appointment or two or getting a better fit of our clear liners or our banded appliances or our retainers or whatever we're using it for. Um, but at the end of the day, what the patients experience, at least, you know, my, my view of it is, is no goopy impressions. And, you know, it is one of those things that I firmly believe has made our patient experience better and has differentiated us um, in our area as being a, an impression-free practice. So, I mean, obviously, we could talk all day about all the other stuff I mentioned, you know, our appliances fit great and our workflow has improved. But to the patient, what what they really feel is I don't have to get the same impressions that my older brother complains about or that my, my mother and my father complained about with their orthodontic experience. And, you know, at the end of the day, let's not kid ourselves, you know, we're, we market that fact in our areas. We're trying to grow our, our, our footprint and do things to differentiate ourselves and, and still some interesting economic times. Right. What are some other things that you feel like have an actual ROI? I mean, there's, I think there's certain things you can do for patients that they like, but I don't know that they grow your practice. I mean, for instance, I, I used to give out electric toothbrushes to all the patients that started. And yep. then we stopped that. And I don't think anyone cared. I mean, the one or two, right. you know, I, I still have a few in the basement for the for the moms who, who I treated the older sibling with the electric yep. toothbrush. And they're like, wait, yep. don't we get a toothbrush? And I'm like, go in the basement. We still have one. Uh, right. But, you know, that that was something that I never felt like there was any buzz or there was any excitement. They didn't really grow our practice in any sort of way. Do you have any other, you know, things that you feel like actually, you know, return something to the to the top line or the bottom line? Yeah. I mean, first off, we were in that exact same situation. I think I've given away every oral hygiene aid under the sun, uh, you know, an electric toothbrush, a, a water flosser. Um, and we've probably in the last two to three years, you know, we've moved away from that. And we're really looking at things that, that change the patient experience. And I guess one of the big things is two-way texting we've been really into for the last couple of years, which um, is a technology that I think people are just now really starting to embrace. And we're not talking about you know, text reminders you know, through some kind of service like that. We're talking about real two-way texting where the patients can can communicate with us in the same way that they communicate in every other facet of their of their life, which has been a really neat thing. And I think there's some huge ROI there. And uh, you know, it's it's kind of hard to measure, like a lot of things. But just the feedback that we get with that has been has been phenomenal. So tell us a little bit about how that works. Is that through a service or is that something you know done through a like a web portal? Um, we use we use Weave for our phone systems. Um, so we have two way texting through them. But I also know you know a lot of people having great experience with Lighthouse and some of the other companies out there where you can get a, a two way texting system independent of of your phone system. But that's you know open on 
desktops. Um, so it's not like my staff is on an iPhone, even though they're, uh, they're texting. The patients don't see them, you know, on their, their personal device texting back and forth, but it opens up an app and they're able to actually have real time conversations in a, in a manner that the patients uh, feel comfortable with and really appreciate. That's really cool. I think that's, I think that's neat. This maybe isn't, I don't know, an impertinent question, but it's one that crosses my mind sometimes as I think about upgrading our equipment or our facilities or our technology. Do you ever worry that patients will find all of the bling in our offices somewhat off-putting and look for maybe something lower key or a lower priced office? Every single day. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. You know, we definitely, uh, we design the offices with more of a high-tech um, high-end feel. And I think um, I did have some concerns the first time around that patients would um, have the perception that they, you know, I hear the stories all the time that patients comment that they're paying for the chairs in your reception area and that kind of thing. Um, I guess it's just one of those things that has been part of our image and part of our branding and our culture. Uh, and it, it, it hasn't been something that's tangible. Now, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And there's probably a lot of things that you know, where people think and say and feel that maybe don't get back to me. Um, but I think with maybe one or two exceptions over the last decade, because um, we just had our 10-year anniversary, I don't think that's been, that's been an issue for us. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think to a certain extent, you have to decide what the vibe and, and uh, identity of your office is going to be, and then you've got to kind of own it. And, you know, for you guys, you're clearly putting out this this sort of high-tech, high-end feel, and I think that attracts those sort of patients, and I think that can be uh, a great niche to be in. Well, and I think just to follow up on that, I think, you know, we don't consider ourselves a high-end practice. I think we're, we're high-service and we're high-tech, uh, but we're certainly not the most expensive office in, in our area, and we really try to be affordable and, and, you know, very reasonable and flexible with our financing and, and everything. So I think once patients see that, maybe they let their guard down a little bit about whether or not they're paying for, for the furniture and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. One thing I've noticed, at least in my own office, is that every time I add a new technology or whether it's a product or a service, there's always an implementation process involved. You know, you go to the AO, you buy this thing and you get it back to your office and you have to figure out how to make it work in your practice, right? Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, when we switched, so that the scanner is the example I always use of that. So it was the AAO in Philadelphia, um, which I guess was what, about three years ago, maybe, yeah, three years ago now. And I consider myself a middle adopter of technology, which kind of surprises people sometimes when they know that we're, we're very high tech with how we, how we practice. But I wait and let other people work out the kinks. I wait till we're on the second or third generation of a technology so that the, hopefully the cost has come down a little bit. And that's right where we were with, with the scanners. And when I brought them back and we bought one at, at that show, when I brought it back to the practice, I really thought that every one of my assistants was going to quit in, in the first week. And there was tension and, and you know a little frustration. Um, but the way that we measure that is I think today, if I even hinted at, at getting rid of the scanner, I am 100% certain that every one of my assistants would quit um, because it's just a part of what they do and they've, they've really learned to utilize the technology to make their lives better and more efficient and cleaner and neater. And, and, you know, and that's not to say it always works out that way. We've um, you know, tried to make changes in the past that, that don't work and then we kind of go, go back to the drawing board. Yeah, 
that's kind of my experience too. You've got to figure out how to set up the procedure codes and the timings and the deliveries and work with the labs. And, you know, it, there, there's a lot that goes into it. And, and if you're not willing to put forth that effort, then probably you're, you're not going to have a great experience trying these new things. Uh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Tell us a little bit about intraoral scanners, uh, how you use them in your office. You're kind of mentioning them as the prototypical example here of, of a great technology in orthodontics. Yeah, so like I said, we started um, three to four years ago, and at that point, like a lot of people, you know, we, we were using them simply for um, for Invisalign, for, for clear liners. And then um, we paired up with New England Orthodontic Lab, and I got a great recommendation from, from Derek Bach, who I know you had on the show. Derek and I did our residency together, so he was talking to me about his experience with, with Neo and reached out to them and started moving into the banded appliance realm. So using it for our expanders, for our holding arches, that sort of thing. And then the next natural progression, once we felt comfortable with that, was moving it into our retention protocol. And that really has been the one that has has changed the way that we're able to to make the patient experience better through through that technology. So, you know, we're saving multiple visits, we're scanning with brackets on, we're getting custom made lower bonded three to three retainers. Um, and upper lower Essex retainers that are made when the patient still embraces. So our D-bond, um, especially as I get older, when I think of the things that I disliked with my, my um, aging back, was putting on a lower bonded three to three retainer bonded to every tooth with, you know, like we used to do. And now having this beautiful custom fabricated retainer that goes on in, in about 10 seconds um, without me hunching over the patient trying to, you know, get the, get the composite in exactly the right spot on every tooth has just been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of halfway through that process. We've got a scanner. We're using it for Invisalign. We're using it for lab appliances like expanders and herbs. But I haven't figured out the workflow of the retainer. So maybe walk me through that, kind of what, what the steps are in that process. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So what we're doing currently is patient comes in, they're ready to get their, their braces off. I approve everything for D-bond. I have a discussion with the parents about the retainer protocol. And then we actually use the, the verbiage that we're going to set you up for our removal sequence, which is two visits scheduled two weeks apart. The first appointment is what we call our scan pre-D-bond appointment, where obviously patient's still in brackets. I do any enamelic and equilibration that needs to be done. I then leave the chair. My staff takes out wires, takes off any power chain, any co-ligation, and scans upper and lower arches with brackets still on, puts everything back together. Patient then comes back two weeks later. Um, we deliver. As long as hygiene is good, we deliver that custom lower three to three uh, retainer that comes with a transfer jig directly from the lab, um, welded mesh pads on the canines. So we're only bonded to the canines now, which has been great. The hygienists love it. Then I remove everything and then we deliver two sets of upper retainers. So we get from Neo what they refer to as their Essex package, two sets of upper retainers, two sets of lower retainers. And then what's been really cool for us is we give the patients the set of 3D printed models and we made up a nice little, nice little box with some of our, our logo and our branding um, with a little um, instruction sheet in there with, with all of the fine print about what we refer to as our, our lifetime guarantee on retainers. And what that essentially is, is as long as we can remake retainers in-house this time, 
on that set of 3D printed models, we will do it at no additional charge for the rest of that patient's life. So what that means, obviously, if they lose the models, we have to scan again, there's an additional charge. If they get any significant dental work done um, and we have to scan again, there's an additional charge. If they let their teeth move, and I think the key to that is we really stress that they let their teeth move. If they let their teeth move, then we would um, scan again, and, and obviously there would be a charge associated with that. Um, but that's been really cool and is a way for us to do it. You know, So really, to make replacement retainers, there is absolutely zero doctor time. I don't even know that my staff is doing it. Mom might be dropping off a set of models at the front desk um, while Johnny's still at school. Uh, my staff then on their downtime between patients. And, and I always say to people when they tell me that's not a cost-effective marketing strategy and, and a cost-effective patient enhancement, um, I say to them, well, then you must have a staff that runs at 100% capacity because I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, my staff always have, has downtime and they can just make a set of retainers. So really the only cost to me, the practice owner, is a 99 cent piece of Essex plastic, which you know is just a, a no-brainer for us. And that's been really huge. Um, it is something that, that nobody else in our area is really doing. I think that's fantastic. That's like I say, it's something that we're trying to figure out the nuts and bolts of. So I, I, I appreciate you taking a minute to, to kind of go through that. When, when you think about the cost of these things, I mean, it's certainly adding an intraoral scanner and then you've got the cost of the, the printing and then, you know, lab fabricated retainers are, are a lot more expensive than if you would just have made the initial Essex retainers in house. How do you think about those costs and kind of put them in perspective? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that everybody's got something that they're really good at, right? The, the, I'm very good at the digital workflow. I enjoy the patient experience. You know, I have plenty of friends that figure out the answer to your question by, you know, they could tell you to the penny what the difference in the, the, the investment is and that, it probably is something that I should spend a little more time on, to be very honest with you. Um, we just look at it. You know, the cost for what I just described to you, I believe, is 80 or $85 for the retainers and the, the, the printed models, and then another $20, I think, for the, for the bonded retainer. If we're saving one, two uh, you know, doctor visits or you know, patient visits, I, I think that more than makes up for it. But you're right. You know, it's, it, there is a cost associated with that that... Um, I guess you really have to believe that you're enhancing the patient experience, getting better fitting appliances. If you save one visit, uh, which in almost every one of those examples I gave you, we're saving at least one, if not two, sometimes three visits. I think you're more than making up for for your cost. I, I think it's I think it's an interesting thing. We're definitely working on it right now in, in our office, trying to kind of crack the code and make sure we've we've got the the sequencing and the cost and all of that under control. You talk about being a middle adopter of technology here. Um, I'm curious uh, what you think then about 3D printing in office. Yeah, great, great, great question. So we do not have 3D printers, and I, I really don't see myself jumping in on that anytime soon. I think you know the cost of a 3D print, I, I, I want to say, is, is $8 for us. Um, I don't love spending extra time in the office maintaining equipment and and doing you know the, the maintenance and that sort of thing and I think for now we're, we're pairing up with great lab partners and you know I, I communicate with Christian growth who I know you had on the show about you know what he's doing and, and kind of his take on this and I, I a firm believer kind of like we're the orthodontic specialist and we focus on what we're really good at 
I'm not really good at maintaining and managing uh, 3D printers, you know, yeah. so I would much rather let the lab focus on that and let me focus on on moving teeth and, and enhancing smiles. Yeah, and FedEx works pretty good, right? To get yeah, those exactly. st- straight yeah, to your to, office. To be honest with you, I don't even think buying a 3D printer is anywhere near near my radar. Right. Um, so that's just where I fit into that. Okay, cool, cool. Well, I was I was on your website, and uh, you've got a great website. It's really cool. Uh, it's it's very video heavy. I think most people, if if they went to your website, and uh, what's your website here, so people can check it out. Uh, iortho.com. iortho.com. So go check that out. I think most people would look at your website and say, "I would love a website like that," but you know, having all these videos, but but wouldn't know where to start. I guess you you talk a little bit about the power of of videos in internet marketing, but but how do you develop and produce these videos? Yeah, well, a, a lot of it is again partnering with the right people. So we used, um, and I got a great recommendation from from Jeff Kozlowski, um, who the, the same company, Clear Partnering Group, who we use for our website, did Jeff's website. Um, and, and I kept coming back as I was looking to redo, and, and this is actually the third, we've been in business for 10 years, and this is the third version of, of our website. So the first two were both big box, you know, web design, um, companies that we used. And this one, I really wanted to be, be something a little bit different. So I, I, I looked all over the place, um, at, at sites that I liked and I kept coming back to Jeff's and it really, it struck a chord in me and it, and it, I had that emotional connection with the material and, and, you know, with just the look and the feel and, and the interactivity of the site. So I reached out to, to Brian from Clear Partnering Group and hit it off right away. And it was actually all inclusive where they come out, they film the video, they did the photography and really made it a unique experience. And obviously, you know, that's not a, a an inexpensive endeavor. Um, but the finished product I felt was very cohesive, um, and it really uh, all shared the same the same vision as opposed to what I did last time, which is I hired one company to do some videos for us, and then I hired the photographer that I had just gotten married at the time, so I hired the photographer that did my wedding to take the pictures, and then I had a third company do the website, and and I think it wasn't bad, and I was proud of it at the time. But it looked a little disjointed and modeled and, and didn't really have the same look and feel and cohesiveness that, that we have currently. Yeah. But some of these clearly you're doing in-house. For instance, you do these smile transformation videos every month. Is that something you guys put together or how does that work? Yes. Yeah, so that's totally separate. So about five and a half years ago, it popped into my head. And I always joke that I have very few independent ideas when it comes to orthodontics. I'm a big believer in standing on the shoulders of giants and surrounding myself with people that are a lot smarter than me, um, which isn't that difficult once you get to know me. But I just had the idea that I wanted to record my patients seeing their smile for the first time the day we take braces off. So again, I'm totally dating myself, but this was in 2012. So we bought a few flip video cameras. I'm sure you remember those. Yep. Um, so we had a few of those in the office. I think I still have some of them laying around. I have one. Uh, yeah, exactly. So they were great. So we would just record patients seeing their smile for the first time. And then we would take a still photo of me with the patient or my staff with the patient. And then I just learned how to use iMovie. And I wasn't, I had never used iMovie before. Um, I went to the Apple store and um, I was that, you know, middle-aged man in the middle of the Apple store on a Saturday afternoon with all these millennials with some 18-year-old 
in a blue t-shirt, you know, teaching me how to use iMovie. And I just taught myself. And every month since, we've done this smile transformation video where we kind of jostle between still photos of me with the patients and then the patients actually seeing their smile for the first time. Sometimes it's the parents reacting to that smile, which is really cool. And then we just put some some good music behind it and, uh, you know, make it something that, that our patients really get excited about. So we we put them all over the place. They're on our website, on our blog. We obviously put them on on Facebook. So, you know, they're they're visible on social media. We send out an email with a link to the blog. Um, and it's one of those things that patients really get excited about. And they get mad at me if uh, it takes more than a week or two to get those out. <laughs> so I'm assuming you have to clean up a little bit their, their teeth before they go and check out their smile. Sometimes after cement removal, it's a little bit uh, hairy in there. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And New Jersey is one of those states. So we have to remove everything ourselves. Yep. Um, so, you know, it, it, obviously our workflow is a little different than some people. So I know that everything's off of there, that the patient gets cleaned up. And it's been really nice since we haven't been taking impressions. Because in the early videos, you'll see patients picking alginate out of their teeth and that sort of thing. Um, now that we don't have to do that, it's a little bit easier to keep it nice and neat. But you're a very smart, tech-savvy guy, so you know how easy editing with uh, with iMovie is. It makes it really, really, really simple. That's that's neat. So did they get a lot of play on Facebook, these smile transformation uh, videos? They they do. You know, it's one of those things. Um, and we, we track everything. You know, we've got a great video software that we use to track the play rate and whether people play things all the way through and, and um, you know, where the people are located that are watching it. It's, it's kind of neat being able to see all the metrics. Um, it's not huge. You know, average viewership every month is probably somewhere between 200 and 500, depending on, you know, who's getting their braces off that month and how many friends they share the video with. Um, but I think a lot of it is just letting people see the reaction that, that people have with when they go through this transformation. And, and on the new patient phone call, we are very, very clear that we want patients to go visit that Smile Transformation blog. And we have heard from people in the new patient room that they were on the site and they couldn't stop watching them and, you know, seeing how the, the people have reacted. People cry. I mean, I'm sure you see that every day, you know, it's, it's cool. And when you can capture that and really humanize the practice, let them see the physical environment, let them see me, let them see my staff, but also let them see what this transformation has done for people's confidence in a non-scripted format. You know, this isn't, a professional videographer in there. I mean, my, my assistant's hands are shaking sometimes. Sometimes people's heads get cut off. You know, nobody's going to think that that's a professional production. And that's right. kind of the point. Yeah, it, it's a very emotional. There's kind of a visceral reaction when you see people seeing their smile for the first time. It's, it's, it's a really special moment. I think you're, you guys do a great job of, of capturing it. So I, I, I watched a few of them on your website and I thought they were great. Awesome. It's been, it's been pretty cool. Besides your website and, and I guess these videos, how else do you market your practice online? Where do you think orthodontists should be focusing their efforts uh, online in terms of, of marketing and growing their practice? Um, obviously, you know, Facebook's the, probably the biggest player in all this stuff. So, you know, we make sure that we've got a, a decent Facebook audience, although as everybody now knows, Facebook's organic reach is certainly not what it used to be. So we do a lot of Facebook ads. We make sure. Uh, we've got something running just about all the time. Um, you know, maybe three out of, three weeks out of the month, we'll have something running. We also do a lot 
um, with our, our SEO. And I use that term loosely where we don't pay, and we've been very lucky that we don't pay for SEO. I think when people think about the value of a website, I think sometimes that is kind of underappreciated where people are paying 500, a thousand, I've heard up to $5,000 a month um, to a company to increase SEO. I think if you've got a very good website that is properly coded and, and done correctly, depending on your market, um, you know, it, what happens in one market may not happen in another, but at least in our market, immediately we jump to the top of just about every search um, without doing any paid SEO, which has been, been huge for us. I also think a lot of the big things for us is marketing through education, doing a lot of I still do believe in grassroots marketing to the general dentists. And we've got study clubs that we do for the GPs in our area. We've got study clubs that we do for dental hygienists in our area. We've got all of those connected to Facebook groups. So one of the things I've learned, you know, in the ortho community is the power of, of Facebook groups. So now we've got a dental hygiene Facebook group that is managed by me, um, which is really cool to be a part of that discussion and, you know, in order to do that, you obviously have to have a study club of some kind that people want to be a part of. But once you have that, it's it's making sure that you've got that online niche with your referral base that that I didn't have prior to doing that. So that's been really big for us. Huh, that's neat. So that's a Facebook group of local hygienists. Yeah. So what we have, we refer to it as the IRTHO Collective. Um, and we've got two distinct groups. One is our um, IRTHO Collective Partners in Prevention, which is for our, our hygienists. Then we've got the iOrtho Collective Partners in Clinical Excellence, which is a study club that we run for our GPs. Um, we've got two meetings a year for each group. I bring in outside speakers, and that's kind of what's nice about you know being a lecturer and getting to meet great people. Is you know it's one of those how about you come and speak at my group and I'll come speak at your group kind of thing. So you can get some pretty good people to to come out, and the everybody gets CE. They get a nice dinner. It gets me in in front of them, obviously, and we start every meeting with a little what's new in our practice where I can talk to them about this, some of the stuff that we're doing. But then what's great is everybody that's in the group is then a part of this private Facebook forum um, where just like, you know, we orthodontists communicate with each other and learn from each other on Facebook. We're able to do that with our, with our referral base, whether they're dentists or, or hygienists, which is nice. Yeah, that's a fantastic idea. Well, I'm wondering if you have any other kind of old-fashioned, low-tech, non-online marketing ideas that, that are working really well for you guys? Yeah, I mean, again, along that same line, you got to find, in my, in my opinion, we're all good at certain things. And it's a matter, you know, I consider myself an introvert, to be honest with you, and I know I'm not an in-your-face kind of guy. I'm not, you know, you just had a nil on last week. And, and guys like that, you know, Nil and I have known each other a long time, just have a presence about them and they, you know, they, they command the room and they can, they can market themselves that way. That's not my, that's not me. I think for me, you know, I'm a, I'm a decent teacher and I can help people make their practice better. I can help them by sharing ideas, things that have worked for us. And, and you'd be surprised with our general dental colleagues, how much they envy the things that we're able to do, whether it's social media marketing or whether it's, you know, stuff with Google or SEO or websites. So I've really been able to bang on doors, so to speak, and, and make those connections with my with my referral base. And we've still got a pretty large portion of our patient population coming from GP referrals because, because we teach them, you know, because we go to their offices, we provide 
CE for their for them and for their staff if that's something they want to do, or they're they're invited to to our our physical study clubs that we've had people come into our office because um, I do some in office courses for orthodontists. We also have local general dentists that come in and spend you know some time with us, kind of seeing how some of these systems work in our office, and and that's been that's been huge. Cool. So. One other question I had for you is uh, you talk a little bit about uh, a supercharged observation and recall program. Uh, this, is an, <laughs> this is an area where many offices, I think, drop the ball. How do you keep your observation patients engaged over you know, a period maybe of a couple of years? Yeah, that's an awesome question. And it's something that, I, that I've given some lectures on. And sometimes people either think I'm nuts or they think that, that we're really onto something. And, and the truth, it probably lies somewhere in between. Um, so with our practice management software, so we use Dolphin in our office, we have the ability to track what are referred to as non-patients. So you can enter in patient information without throwing your numbers off as far as new patients and without cluttering up your, your system and your reports. So what we do is any younger sibling, somebody comes in with a, with a baby, we are entering them into what we refer to as our, as our birthday club. Okay. So. In order to get access to the birthday club, um, they give us their their child's information. They give us date of birth, name, you know, any any pertinent information. We probably have them linked to somebody else in our system, so we don't really need address or anything like that. But right away, they get their first birthday gift. So even if we get them and it's not their birthday, if they're under the age of two, they get a bib that's you know pink or blue, their choice. If they're over the age of two, they get a, a practice T-shirt that we had made um, specially for younger kids, you know, 2T, 3T, 4T, 5T. And then every year on their birthday, we give them a, a gift. So I've got my observation coordinator that sends out to them um, a gift on their birthday. And it's not on their actual day. So she's, she schedules one day a month where she does all of those those shipments and their age-appropriate gifts for the kids. So on their first birthday, I believe, and I'm sure I'm going to misspeak and she's going to kill me when she hears this. I think their first birthday is a, a branded rubber ducky for, for the tub. Um, on their second birthday, we give them a branded plate, I believe, where they can, you know, you've got kids, so you know, they're, you know, plastic plate that they, they eat off of that they can't break. I think the third birthday is a teddy bear. The fourth birthday is an art smock. The fifth birthday, I think, is a, is a backpack of some kind. The sixth, I think, is a water bottle. And then the point on their seventh birthday, they're then invited to join our, what we refer to as our Bill's Buddies Club, which is our, our observation program. So we've got access to them essentially since birth. They've been getting messaging from us every year on their birthday. And then their seventh birthday card obviously has more detailed information in it as to the importance of seeing an orthodontist at age seven. Wow, that's pretty comprehensive. So am I stupid or is it a good idea? What do you think? I love it. You know, I think there's something pretty powerful to, you know, bibs and plates and backpacks. I mean, I think that there's, you know, that's, that's a lot of emotional baggage for someone to try to escape out from underneath and go see someone else. I mean, I think, I no, think you, I exactly. think you, I think you've got them locked in pretty good at that point. And I, I figured it out. I, and this one, I actually did add up the numbers cause I was curious about it, but the total cost for the, every one of the gifts I just mentioned to you is under $25. Um, so we're not talking about, you know, things that are breaking the bank. We're not, we're not giving them uh, iPhones or anything. You know, it's, 
just a little something, you know, one touch just to say we're here. Happy birthday. We're thinking of you. Um, and that's an ROI. And obviously there's one staff day a month for my observation coordinator. There's some postage involved in that, but the actual gifts are under $25 for all of them. And that's if we get them at birth. Awesome. Well, we're going to dive in here with our Elevate Express 8. We got eight questions here. We're going to get some some rapid fire answers from you here. Um, you ready for this, Dan? Uh, I I hope so. All I'm right. slightly intimidated, but no, let's no, go. This is, this is easy here. What's, what's your go-to <laughs> treatment for full step class twos? Um, assuming we're, we're attacking it dentally and it's not a surgical case, we're, we're big on light early elastics um, from, from day one, from the initial bond. And then a force of appliance if I, if I need it towards the end of treatment. Awesome. What's your standard retention protocol once they get some retainers? Yeah. So um, as we talked about before, so I do, assuming hygiene's good, we've got a custom lower bonded three to three retainer, upper lower Essex retainers. Um, we ask them to immediately, they can go to nights only with the lower because they've got the lower bonded. Um, we ask them to do full time on the upper for the first three months. Um, and then we switch them to to nights as well, as well at that point. Awesome. Who are your role models? Obviously, my parents uh, would be first and foremost in that. Um, in the orthodontic realm, uh, well, and sorry, I, I can't leave out my wife, who absolutely is, is my number one role model. Um, in the orthodontic world, uh, I would say Carla Evans, my, my former chair at, at Illinois, and then my, my partners in crime, my, my two closest orthodontic friends are my buddy Mike Bicknell and, and Scott Soderquist, both who practice in the, uh, in the Chicago suburbs. And we do an annual study club, actually biannual study club trip every year with those guys. And they help me, help me succeed in every way practice-wise. Awesome. What's your favorite orthodontic product or instrument? Um, like we talked about, I'd have to say the intraoral scanner. You know, something that has really changed our, our total patient experience, and total digital workflow. Awesome. What's the best vacation you've ever taken? I would say my honeymoon at uh, Jade Mountain in St. Lucia. Um, it's one of those uh, resorts on the side of a cliff with only three walls, so you literally have, have no wall in front of you. Um, amazing trip. Uh, not the cheapest vacation I ever took, but it was awesome. And I think I was still in shock that my wife actually married me, so that probably was part of <laughs> Part of uh, to do with why I loved it so much. Good. What's one great book that you've read recently? You're talking to a Jersey guy, so I would have to say Born to Run, the uh, Bruce Springsteen autobiography that I that I just finished. I, I highly recommend it. Cool. I'll have to check that out here. Uh, what bracket system are you currently using? We are currently using um, Empower self ligating from American Orthodontics, and we do what they refer to or what I refer to as dual activation. So we're using um, an interactive bracket, upper and lower three to three, and then a passive self-ligating bracket in the posterior. Cool. And what's one area of orthodontics that you want to learn more about in 2017? I mentioned I'm a middle adopter. Um, I think getting better with my, my skills with plastic, um, being able to treat more complex cases with, with Invisalign and clear aligners. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Dan, this has been uh, fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. No, Lance, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for doing this. This is an unbelievable gift that you've given to, to our, our great profession. It's my pleasure. I, I love having conversations just like this. So have a great night, Dan. Thanks, Lance. You too. Talk to you later. 
Thank you for listening to the Elevate Orthodontics podcast. For more episodes, subscribe on iTunes or visit our website at elevateorthopodcast.com. Tune in next week for another great episode. 